just say we love you guys so much. We've been in the States this summer visiting my family in Oklahoma, and that's been really nice. My kids are probably all glad to be home because when I was in Oklahoma and just before we went, I really got back into country music. And um, we played, I put one song on, on the stereo in the car on a long drive we did, and I loved it. And one of my sons said, I think I've just found my new least favorite song. <laughs> so we're all glad to be back. Um, they all they are um, with all the country music. But I think um, from the time there, I just um, really was aware, again, just how much um, I love you. I love King's Arms. And I just love what the Father's done in us as a people, in me as a person since being here. After 21 years, um, I, just being around my family and everything, I'm aware it's a sacrifice not to live near them. But I just have not one single regret. I just feel so called here. I love it here. And um, we had an, or I had an opportunity to speak at a women's conference while we were there as well for my parents' church and a couple of other churches and just gathered a big group of women from across the city to talk about um, what it is to dream with God and got to share some of my story and my dreamings with God, but also a lot of our story together. I told them all about the 10,000 acts of kindness, the tsunami of love coins that we're um, hitting our city with. And um, people were just so inspired. One school's already taken it up and they're starting <laughs> tsunami of love in their school. And just tons and tons of stories of people getting freedom from disappointment of dreams that haven't been realized and inspired to dream more. So I just wanted to say every time we go away, we're amazed that our reputation around the globe is that we're people who really love God, who seek his heart, take risks for him, and just bring the kingdom wherever we go. And we are just so proud <laughs> and so happy to be part of us as the King's Arms. So we just love you, and you inspire us and inspire so many people around the world. Yeah. That's great. Bye. Thanks so much. Yes, brilliant. So yes, I hope you had a good break over the summer and if you managed to get away and uh, even if not, you were rested and ready for the new academic year. As Caroline said, we went back to Oklahoma, which is an expensive trip, but we found uh, cheap tickets via Iceland. Who knew? Best way to Oklahoma is via Iceland. There you go. The world is changing. So we went via Iceland and uh, we got to Oklahoma and then Caroline's parents took us on a holiday to Colorado, which was great to go to the mountains as well. And the only problem was it was a 14-hour drive to get there. Four t one four, 14 hours, and you know you're in trouble when you turn onto a road and the GPS says, proceed forward for 400 miles and then turn left. Seriously, one road was 400 miles long. That is depressing right there. You're counting it down in 25-mile blocks, and it is just like you just lose the will to live. Um, the, my favorite road sign, though, was this one. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing this road sign. Hitchhikers may be escaping inmates. <laughs> Which I thought, how many do you have to lose before you turn it into an actual road sign? I mean, that's like saying, I mean, you'd never see that in the UK, would you? It's brilliant. It's like, okay, we've got a lot of inmates. We do lose a few, but if we do, please bring them back or at least don't pick them up. It's like, I'm not quite sure how many you lose before you turn it into a road sign, but there you go. That was my favorite road sign. I started a new hobby of finding humorous road signs. So if you see any, do send them to me, because I, uh, I thought that was quite good. Um, and it's just, as Caroline said, it's just brilliant to be back with you guys, and just such a privilege to, uh, to be part of this community, and just praying for you all this week, and just so conscious of the love of God for each one of you. Just so overwhelmed again with God's love for each one of you. I was in this, in this auditorium with no one here, just praying for for you as a community, for us as a community, and just God's love, just his passion for you, and if you're listening online, his love for you as well, but not quite as much as those who are here. Um, 
No, just kidding. <laughs> His love for you and uh, just overwhelmed by that and the privilege of serving and, and leading here. And so as I was thinking about what I was going to speak on this morning, I, um, uh, this is a, like, not part of a series. This is just like a start to the year. And I, you know, it's me and a microphone. I can say whatever I like, which is dangerous. Um, and I just was really stirred again uh, with my story, my journey, what God's called me to. And I was taken back to when I was uh, 15 and I was reading the Bible, and in there's a passage where Jesus, speaking to one of the earliest, his earliest followers, Peter, uh, Simon Peter, uh, he says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has uh, asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you uh, that your faith won't fail, and when you return, strengthen your brothers. And I read that passage, and I, I, not just because it's my name, I, I knew that God was speaking to me, that there was something of a commissioning for me, that that was what I was called to do. And I didn't really know what it meant or how that was going to come about. But then within about a year of of that moment, I'd completely walked away from God, become an atheist. And two years of that, that, I had this encounter with God, which I've shared with many of you uh, over the years, and came back to Christ. And, And then that passage came back to me, and I knew that I'd been through a time of testing, that uh, that uh, Satan had demanded to, to sift me uh, as wheat, but that Jesus himself had prayed for me that I would return. That when I returned, I was called to strengthen uh, his church, to strengthen uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so that's what I want to do this morning, is to as we begin a new academic year. I don't know if you think in academic years, I do. And as we begin this academic year, I want to bring words that would bring strength to you as you go on your uh, Christian uh, journey. And the words I want to bring are around these words. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. This morning I want to say to you, and if you hear and remember nothing else, do not lose heart. Because I I know for me there is a real temptation in the Christian life to lose heart. To lose heart. To start well, but then to lose heart. And I've seen it again and again in other people, but also in my own life, to to lose heart. And I can save you a lot of money and a lot of time by telling you the plot of pretty much any movie you're going to ever see. It's the same plot in every movie. And, you know, it's the same thing happens to Elastigirl in The Incredibles and to Desmond Doss in Hacksaw Ridge and to uh, Captain America or even in Paddington Bear in Paddington the movie too, which I've seen and not proud of. The same thing happens and the, the hero or the bear sets off doing well, achieving what they're called to do and then what happens? They lose heart. They lose heart and when they do... A sidekick character comes along and gives them a little pep talk and, 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 and lifts them up, you know, another human or a bear, depending on the movie, and lifts them up and then they go again at what they're called to do. Anyone recognize any movie you've ever seen? In <laughs> and that is the plot of... Mo- and do you know what? Because that is so often the plot of life. That is what life is, looks like. And, and so this morning, I want to be your sidekick, if you like, your secondary character in the movie of your life, the, the other bear, as it were, in the movie of your life, and to bring you some strength this morning in these words. Do not lose heart, because it's such a real danger. And you can tell when you're losing heart for a few different ways. You can tell when you haven't quite got the energy for the things of God that you used to have. It's, it's kind of lost its edge. You can tell when you're losing heart, when you, you feel like you're just coasting. Perhaps last year for you, you felt like, yeah, it was okay, but I just coasted a little bit. Perhaps when you don't get as excited as you used to about breakthroughs, when God's touching people and breaking into their lives, you can tell you're on the edge of losing heart. Or when you can't recall the last time you shared with someone about your faith in Christ. Or when prayer seems a bit dry and monotonous, you can tell you're losing heart. 
or when just the, the stuff of life gives you more energy. You know, that, you know, life is just full of great stuff, isn't it? You know, one of the things that we always do when we go to the States is we go to the original Krispy Kremes. You know, Krispy Kremes in America is not like Krispy Kremes here. I, I have to say that. If you ever get the chance, because when you walk into the shop, you see that they make the donuts in the store, and there is a, a conveyor belt of these glorious glazed, plain glazed donuts pouring down towards you. I mean, you just can't help but buy a dozen. You just, I said to Ethan, could you eat a whole dozen on your own? He's like, oh yeah, no problem. I was like, even if you fell sick, he's like, I don't care if I did feel sick, I'd eat them anyway. It's like, <laughs> you see these glorious donuts coming towards you and it's just like, a, just a moment there, you realize there is stuff in life. There is some glorious stuff, some good stuff, you know, movies and dinners out and walks in the mountains and all these are good things. But, but when the donuts of life are more attractive than the author of life, we can tell we're in trouble. <laughs> We've started to lose life when the donuts of life are more attractive, more exciting, more energizing than the author of life. When you're perhaps starting a new year with a bit of a sense of exhaustion, a bit of a sense of, of dread, as Phil was talking about, when you've got perhaps a little less expectation of God's kingdom breaking in, these are all signs that you could be losing heart on your Christian walk. And and I know that because I've been through times like that myself. And so I want to speak to us this morning to remind us of God's word to us. Do not lose heart. And, and we read those words in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we'll read it. Uh, it's about 10 or so verses. So I'll just read it and comment it, uh, on it as I go. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is Paul, the apostle, one of Jesus' earliest followers, writing to one of his churches in Corinth that he started. And he's writing to them, having been away from them for a few years. And he says this. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. What, what's he talking about? What's the ministry he's talking about? It's the ministry of the message of Jesus. Did you know you have been given? If you've heard this message, it's not just a message, it's a ministry. It's the message that Jesus came from the Father to introduce you to God himself, that you could know the Father, that you could know love and purpose, that he died for your sins, that he gave his life, that you could be forgiven and washed clean, that he rose again, and that he's returning to judge the world and to bring heaven onto earth in all its fullness, that heaven has come in part, but now it's coming in all its fullness. One day there'll be no more death or mourning or sighing, get happy at any point, that, that he is coming back. And Jesus has brought this message to us, and it's now a ministry, and that you carry this ministry. You're not just a, a plumber or a student or a, or a, a baker or a business uh, leader. You, you are someone who carries a ministry. A ministry of the message of Jesus. And, and Paul says, you and I have got this, this ministry, this treasure we carry. Every one of us carries this treasure. And you don't look as excited about it as you ought to. You, you carry this treasure. Um, Caroline spent hours baking a cake one day for a party. And we went to the party and I was driving, mistake. And I was driving. She had, you know what's going to happen, don't you? She had the cake on her lap. And I braked suddenly and the cake didn't stop. <laughs> And the cake went flying and, and all over Caroline and, and the car was wearing the cake and, and, and we had some words. <laughs> we had some icy words about the cake and the car and the braking fiercely. Because why? Because I wasn't driving according to the treasure. I wasn't driving according to the treasure. Are you living according to the treasure that you're carrying? 
Are you living according to this treasure? Are you driving according to the treasure that you are carrying? Don't nudge the person next to you if they drive like that. Because, I mean, I was, we were in the Middle East just before the summer and uh, visiting the believers there, as I love to do, encouraging and strengthening and learning from them. And uh, as a, a picture of a couple we met there, I'd met them before actually, and uh, it's called Pastor John and his wife, I call him John just for security, and they're out of Iraq, um, a beautiful couple, and, and their story, uh, as a team in Iraq, they gave away a million Jesus DVDs. A million Jesus DVDs, distribute them across Iraq. I mean, just phenomenal. Why? Because they knew we carry this treasure. We carry a treasure. And they did whatever they could. They stuck it on DVD because they thought, we've got to tell people about this treasure. And they sent it out across Iraq as they distributed these. And I think they were doing it for about a decade. And then uh, people got, started to get upset and they found out who was doing it. And, and so that he got kidnapped and uh, he was kidnapped and he was being taken in a taxi by these guys. And he, th- and he thought to himself, if I go where they're taking me, they're going to kill me. If I reach the end of this journey, this is like the taxi ride you don't want to be on. If I reach the end of this taxi ride, they're going to kill me. And, and he was pretty sure of that. And so when the taxi hit a bump and everyone was kind of thrown around, uh, the roads aren't that great, uh, he, he hit a bump and he, everyone's thrown. He popped the door open and rolled out of a moving taxi. And he said, I really hurt my arm, but I didn't care. I just ran for it. And that was the point when they realized we've got to get out of Iraq. And the church said, you've got to go. It's too dangerous here. And so they left and now refugees. Well, they live their life knowing what? That they carry this treasure. Um, but Paul says this. He says, you carry this treasure Through God's mercy, we have this ministry. Through God's mercy. Why does he say that? Why does he say it's through God's mercy? Because he wasn't qualified. Because he, w- he was a persecutor of the church. He was a hater. He was, he was someone who was, uh, he was resistant to God. Uh, and he wasn't worthy of carrying the message. But he reminded himself, when I feel like I'm not worthy, I remind myself, it's by God's mercy that I carry this treasure. It's by God's mercy that I have this ministry. When the enemy of your soul is wanting to remind you that you are not worthy, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Anyone ever feel unworthy? Just one of you, two of you. Okay. (laughs) When you feel unworthy, when you feel like you've blown it, when you've messed up, the Father would remind you this morning, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. You know, when I was a young believer, I used to, particularly in worship, this would happen. I would come in and the enemy of my soul would remind me of how I'd messed up, how I'd failed, where I'd sinned. And I would just look around at all the shining faces around me and think, oh, they've all got their lives together. They're all so perfect. And I would just spend the worship time with my head in my hands, feeling miserable, reminding myself of where I'd failed. Do you know what? I get the same thoughts now but I do different things with them. Now what I do is I, when the enemy reminds me of where I've failed, of where I'm not worthy, I say, oh, thank you so much. Because there is a real danger that we can worship based on our own performance, based on how good we think we've been that week. That's a terrible way to worship. We worship based on his mercy. So I say, enemy, thank you so much for reminding me because I don't want to worship based on my own effort. Father, he's reminding me of how unworthy I am. Thank you, Father, that you have made me worthy. Do not lose heart because God himself has given you this ministry by his mercy. You are, he has made you worthy. When your enemy of your soul is wanting to tell you a story, you know, there's, there's, there's different ways to hear a story. 
my nephew, his, his dog um, had to be put down. She was becoming continent and just it was a sad story, getting old, and they just decided to put her down. But he's five, and his version of the story is this. My dog pooped in the house, so they killed her. That's his take on the story. A sad story becomes, my dog pooped in the house, so they killed her. There's two ways to tell a story, isn't there? There's two stories that you can tell. When the enemy tells you you're not worthy because of all this stuff, you can remind him, no, no, there's a different version of that story. Yes, I'm not worthy, but God, in his mercy, has given me this ministry. Wow. That's, that's a twist on a story, isn't it, right there? This is what Paul goes on to say. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What he's saying, and this is the second thing, is when the world is trying to pressure you to water down what you believe, do not lose heart. When the world is trying to pressure you to water down what you believe, do not lose heart. Remember, Paul's message that he was carrying was not popular. The Romans hated it because he was saying, listen, Jesus is the only God. And they had a pantheon of gods. And he was saying, there is only one God. And he was saying, Jesus is Lord of Lords. And they believed that Caesar was Lord of Lords. So he was not popular with the Romans. And he wasn't popular with the Jews because he was saying, Jesus is the Son of God. And they didn't like that. And he was saying, a whole lot of the religious stuff you do is not relevant anymore. And they did not like that. He was not carrying a popular message. It was not popular in his day. And he's saying the same as the great prophet Taylor Swift who said, haters are going to hate, hate, hate. <laughs> But all you've got to do is shake, 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 shake it off. That might be the most profound thing you're going to hear today. That's what he's saying. Haters are going to hate. You, you can't be conformed to the message that the world wants you to carry. And, and don't we feel it today? The world hates the message that we carry. They hate the way that we view sexuality or the way that we view relationships or the way that we say that Jesus is the only way to God. And they just say, no, no, that can't be. No, no, they hate the message that we carry, but haters are going to hate. And yes, we can learn how to love people better. Yes, we can learn how to communicate our message better. But ultimately, the message is not going to change. The truth is going to stay the same. As someone once said, we're not called to be politically correct. We're called to be prophetically direct. And God's love and passion is to reach a world, but it's not through changing the message to something that just they want to hear. We feel that pressure. And Paul says, when you feel that pressure, do not lose heart. Anyone feel that pressure? <laughs> do not lose heart. You know, I was chatting with someone and he'd come to faith after his mum and uh, he was telling me he used to debate his mum about things of the things of God he was not a believer he was an atheist and he used to debate his mum and he said I would win every debate because I'm more intellectual than she is so I'd win every debate and she could never beat me in a debate but I somehow knew there wasn't something quite right with my arguments but I could beat her and I, I, know, I know his mum so I chatted to her and I said how was it for you she said oh she said, I would always lose the debate she said and in the end one day he was out I walked into his bedroom I said Jesus I can't deal with him. You've got to. And within about three days, he'd given his life to Christ. <laughs> and that's what Paul says, isn't it? He says, 
keep speaking, keep speaking plainly, and that ultimately they will commend you. They might not agree with you, but they will know there is some truth to what you say. Don't lose heart. Don't change the message. Don't give in to the pressure. Don't lose heart this year. And then he carries on and he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine in the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts and gave us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And you can picture the image of Paul who's speaking to this young church in Corinth. And Corinth was a city of 400,000 people. It was completely immoral, decadent place. In fact, to Corinthianize, Corinthianize became a verb for sexual immorality. It was so immoral. And this small fledgling church is in this place of great darkness with people who don't want to hear and don't want to know and don't want to see. And he says, they've been blinded. And I was chatting to a young man who's part of our community. He goes to a large school in the area. And he said to me, I'm the only believer in the entire, my entire year. There are no other Christians in my entire That's a lonely place. That's a lonely place to be. And I know many of you will be in the same situation in your workplaces, even in your own families, where you're the only believer. You feel alone. And the temptation is to start to think, maybe I'm the one who's blinded. <laughs> Maybe they've all got it right. Maybe I've got it wrong. And Paul, would, the father, would speak to you this morning and he would say, do not lose heart. He'd say, I know how it feels. But the truth is this, they've literally been blinded. There is an enemy who blinds people to the gospel. When everyone else around you seems to be certain that what you're saying is not true, Paul says, do not lose heart. And, and I know, when I was an atheist, if you'd have said to me I was blinded, I'd have laughed in your face. I, I'd have said, you're the one who's blinded, not me. <laughs> the evidence is in my favor, not on yours. And, and yet there was that moment when I came to faith in Christ where it was literally like the, the scales dropped from my eyes. Suddenly I could see. So if, you, if you're a, not a believer here, not a follower of Jesus this morning, and, and you're you feel offended by the fact that the Bible says that you're blinded. I encourage you, pray this prayer. Pray, God, I don't know if you exist, but if you do, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Pray that prayer. I dare you to pray that prayer and see what happens. Because it's exactly what happened to me. God opened my eyes. So when the enemy is trying to discourage you because you feel alone this year, as you begin this year, when he's trying to discourage you, saying you're on your own, there's no one else who believes do not lose heart. Why? What does Paul say? He says, because light shines in the darkness. When there is a darkness around and people are blinded, light shines in the darkness. Light shines in the darkness. God's light shines in the darkness. And when the darkness increases, the light shines brighter. And that when the darkness in people's hearts shines, as it's darkest, then God's light begins to shine. And so do not lose heart, Paul's saying to this little church. And I would bring the same message from the Father to you this morning. As you go into this year, do not lose heart. Don't look around at those that don't believe and lose heart. Instead, remind yourself of this. No, no, in the darkness, God's light shines. And I was chatting to a lady 
just this week, and she was telling me, I was asking how she was doing, and she said, oh, it's just our neighbours are a nightmare. She said they're like, fight, I hope she didn't live next to any of you. No, uh, like, they're like <laughs> fighting like day and night, like two o'clock in the morning last night, a whole family was awake because they were just having this blazing row. She said it was, just, it was just a nightmare living there. And I was reminded of another family years ago who were in the same situation. And they were, their neighbors were a nightmare and they were fighting. It was particularly around one son who was a drug addict and he would come home drunk and high and fight with his mother. And, and it was just like a nightmare living next door. All they could do was just lay hands on the wall and pray. And they would just pray for this family and they would lay hands time and again praying for this family. And then it went quiet and they never knew why. Until years later, they heard the story. This young man had encountered some believers and had given his life to Christ. And he got completely delivered. And the next time they saw him was worshipping here on a Sunday morning as God set him free. And I, I was able to encourage that lady, listen, there's someone else who's been in the same situation. When the darkness is dark, God's light shines. God's light shines in the darkness. There's no one too far lost, too far gone. There's no one too far from the grace of God. In fact, sometimes when people seem impossible to reach, those are the very people that God is looking to reach. And, and I just would love to pray for you. If, if you are in that situation where you're alone in your family or your workplace or, or your school, I'd love to pray for you at the end. At the end because, you know, Jesus sends out his believers two by two. And I just got a real sense of faith this morning to pray for you that this year he will bring you your two. He'll bring you someone to stand with you, either as a prayer partner or someone who, ideally who's actually in the situation with you. And we're going to pray for that at the end. And this is what Paul carries on writing. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death isn't at work in us but life is at work in you. Paul is living under pressure some of you this morning are feeling the pressure. Paul is living under pressure. And he later tells the Corinthians what is going on with him. He says this, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. I don't know why they didn't bother with the last one. But anyway, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was at sea, adrift at sea, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure and on top of all of that there's the daily pressure of the anxiety for all the churches who is weak that I am not weak Paul's saying you got a bad day I'll give you a bad day <laughs> you got a bad day I'll give you a nightmare day <laughs> this is a nightmare day and he's saying I'm living through this and yet what he's saying do not lose heart why because when when life is threatening to crush you do not lose heart do not lose heart why why do not lose heart? Because the life of Christ will be revealed in you. Even when it feels like you're going through death, that's the very point that the life of Christ gets revealed in you. Paul Sam, I'm experiencing all of this, this death, 
And yet I'm also experiencing the life of Christ shining through me. Do not lose heart. It's one of the things I'm learning. The greater the pressure, the greater the treasure of Christ that gets revealed in us. When you look back over your life, it's rarely the sunny days laying by the beach where you had the most powerful encounters. It's rarely the sunny days when you're sitting in the park where you see the most breakthrough. Isn't it in the darkest times? Isn't it the times when you feel like you're going to be crushed? You can say, I feel perplexed. I feel in despair, but I am not crushed. The life of Christ shines and is revealed in you. And then he writes this, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. He looked out on his society the Roman society that he was in, he looked out and he saw war and gladiatorial games and idol worship and destruction all around. Just as we are looking back to him, Paul looked back to one of his heroes in the faith, to David, and he quotes from Psalm 116, where David says, I believed, therefore I spoke. And what Paul does is say in the same spirit, I believe and therefore I speak. What was David going through when he said those words? David, David in the psalm writes how he was under pressure of death. He feared that he was going to die and yet he said, I know that my God will deliver me. That's the words. And then he writes, I believe, therefore I spoke. And you know when you're under pressure, as you go into this term, when you're under pressure, the, the thing that you, you're tempted to do is just speak out negatively. I'll never make it. There's no hope. There's no way through here. I, I've fallen into that many times myself, and Caroline can give you the, the line and verse on when. I, I've, the, 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 the temptation is just speak out negatively. But the scripture says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And what I've learned is this. When you're in that situation, and what I'm learning is this. When you're in that situation, when you feel under pressure, when you're looking around and you're seeing the dream that you'd hoped to come true has not yet come true. When you're in that place, sometimes the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut until you can connect with what you believe in your heart. And then open your mouth and speak. Instead of letting that negativity pour out... Keep your mouth shut until you can connect with what you believe. And then, as you believe, speak. I will see the hand of God in my life. I will see freedom in my life. I will see this dream come apart. Paul's reminding the Corinthians, look, you haven't yet seen the dream that you dreamed of. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. When we don't get what we dream... The danger is that we want to speak negatively. We want to give up. We want to despair. Paul's saying, don't, that. don't do that. As you believe, speak. Your words are powerful. You are made in the image of God. He created with his words. And so your words too are powerful to create life. What does that look like for you? I was chatting to a lady a couple of weeks ago and she was saying, um, 
I always say that I don't eat much uh, wheat because I have a bit of gluten intolerance. I can eat some of it, but not too much of it. And she said, I used to have that, and God totally healed me. I said, well, tell me about that. Tell me that story. I love to hear stories uh, of God breaking in. And she said, well, she said, it was actually as you were speaking. I was like, okay, <laughs> interesting. She said, you were speaking on forgiveness, and I knew that I needed to forgive my parents, but I was sitting next to them, and it was really awkward. So I didn't, and then as I was driving home, I got insanely cold, like so, so cold. It was like weird because it was warm outside, and I went into my house. I was freezing. I thought maybe I'm coming down with something. I put my hat on, my gloves on, my, my coat on, and I was still bitterly, bitterly cold, even inside the house, even in the warm. And she said, I suddenly thought, maybe God's trying to say something to me. And I was reminded of the forgiveness that I hadn't done, so I spoke out forgiveness to my parents. And she said, instantly, I got delivered and set free. And she said, I've been able to eat gluten ever since that moment. As you believe, so speak. There is power in your words. What words of life are you going to speak this term? Words of life out of your own situation or words of life into other people's situations? When you don't see what you've dreamed, the temptation is to speak negatively. As you begin this year, start to speak positively. As we just come into a landing, Paul says this, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Whipped, stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, light and momentary troubles. <laughs> Doesn't that challenge you? <laughs> when Paul lists off his stuff and then calls them light and momentary troubles, how can you do that when you've been through what he's been through? The reason is, he says, I don't see what I see, I see the eternal. And when we put our troubles, our difficulties in the light of eternity, suddenly they really do seem light and momentary. <laughs> Because the weight of glory that's going to be poured out on your life, that you get to live with God forever, that you get to know his blessing forever, that you get to know his presence forever, all of this life, though it seems like it's going on a long time, will seem like a light and momentary trouble. When you're in eternity and look back and think, gosh, was that, that seemed like it was going on forever. And yet it was just a light and momentary trouble. As we start to lift our gaze to eternity, as you start to see the glory of Christ, as we start to see his kingdom breaking in, we start to see these are just light and momentary troubles. Do not lose heart. As you begin this year, as we begin together, if the enemy of your soul is telling you that you're not worthy, do not lose heart because you have this ministry by God's mercy when the world is trying to pressure you to buy into what it believes, do not lose heart. Just keep speaking plainly and, the, and they, those around you will commend you. When the enemy is trying to discourage you that you're alone and that no one else understands that the word of the Father to you this morning is do not lose heart. When the pressure of life is threatening to crush you, do not lose heart because it's in that place that the life of Jesus will be revealed. And when you don't yet see what you've dreamed, the Father says to you this morning, do not lose heart. Speak out what you believe. As you believe, speak it. Do not lose heart.
as we begin this year together, I want to give you strength. And it's in these words, don't lose heart. Because it's the people who don't lose heart who change the world. It's the people who refuse to give up, who refuse to bow under pressure, who change the world. And that's what we see through the life of Paul, through the life of the early church. Unbeknownst to them, they went on and changed the known world through not losing heart.